there's a lot of qualities or virtues that the people who are successful in life possess. But there is one quality in particular that just has a magnetism to it, and it's the quality of humility. Humility is definitely not a weakness. It is a strength. And today, we're going to talk about the, the benefit of being a humble person, of pursuing humility. Hi, this is Eric Hurd, and my podcast is called Relationships by the Book. So why that title? Well, I lived 18 years of my life apart from God, apart from His Word, and my family was one of the most dysfunctional families to grow up in, and we didn't understand relationships. And when I came to know Christ, it absolutely transformed me from the inside out. And I began to understand God's wisdom because I dug into His Word and I saw how much He had to say about relationships. I've been a pastor now for over 45 years, and so this podcast is really an accumulation of the wisdom God's given me in relationships that I want to share with you. Hey, Eric, how are you? You know, Michael, I, I'm uh, what you would call pretty enthused. Okay, why? Well, I just got through meeting with a, a group of clients at, at a treatment center uh, called Liftoff, and we had this discussion over what we're about to talk to uh, talk about today. And to see them engage the subject and come up with the kind of wisdom that they did. These are broken, fractured people, just like I was, who are trying to make something of their lives, trying to stay sober. But their insights on the area of humility were unbelievable. And so I'm, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, so you seem like you're energized. You're coming in on a high note. Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, you, you think about, Michael, think about the people you most admire. And you could name different virtues, but almost the virtue of humility underscores that quality. Like I, I have a, a friend of mine who, uh, who, man, when he makes a mistake, he just apologizes. He goes, man, I'm so sorry I'm late. You know, when you think about, you know, confession, when you're wrong or you do something stupid or whatever it may be, just admitting it, it takes humility. Mm. Because if you're a weak person, if you struggle with the whole thing of people-pleasing, trying to impress people, you can't confess when you screwed up. But this one friend, just every time he messes up, he, he just has an easy time just saying, hey, I, I messed up. I'm so sorry. Well, what does that take? Humility. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Because when you think of someone you said, think of the people you admire. Mm -hmm first thought, it's not their humility, it's their accomplishments, their accolades, whatever it is that they've done that impressed you, probably, I guess that could be their humility, but that's for where I jumped to in my mind, ooh, so this guy has built a business or, you know, surfed so well, whatever it is that I'm so impressed with, but f there's probably many people that own businesses or surf well or whatever it is, but I'm probably think of that as someone I admire because it's their humility paired with their success, right? Absolutely. Okay. Because again, uh, you know, people misunderstand humility. In fact, it's it's very rare when you ask somebody, you know, what are you, what are you pursuing? What's a goal you have in your life? And, you know, I, I don't think I've ever had anybody say, oh man, I want to be a humble person. Yeah. <laughs> and yet the Bible says pursue humility. Why? Because, you know, like uh, one of the best definitions actually comes from the Word of God. And uh, out of Romans chapter 12, Paul says, don't think too highly of yourself. Now, think about who wrote that. 
It was the uh, Apostle Paul who was one of the smartest guys who could engage the Greek philosophers. He wrote 13 of the epistles. This guy was brilliant. And he goes, but don't think too highly of yourself. Now, if there was anybody that could think too highly of himself, it would be Paul. But he says, think accurately of yourself. In other words, see yourself as God sees you. See, a humble person, uh, the reason they're magnetic is they know their strengths and they can operate in their strengths. And when those strengths are identified and appreciated, they'll just go, thank you. But they also embrace their brokenness, their weakness. They can express it and go, man, I'm just really not good at. So, so humility is this incredibly magnetic virtue. Mm, okay, you touched on something that I'm curious about. You said, view yourself accurately. Yeah. How do we gain an accurate view of ourself? That's oh a boy, here we go. One. You're talking to a preacher. You're talking <laughs> to somebody who loves the Word of God. And for me, I, I'll tell you, Michael, it really comes uh, from the Word of God. When, when I first um, crossed the line of faith, when I asked Christ to come into my life and, and He saved me, I started getting into the Bible. And I started seeing myself for who I was. I had no problem recognizing my sin. In fact, think about humility. You can't become a Christian without humility. Why? Okay. You've got to be willing to confess, I'm a broken man in need of a Savior. See, so just becoming a Christian takes humility. And so it is this quality of a man who, as he reads the Word of God, he sees his strengths. And he sees himself as God sees him. Like one of my favorite verses is out of Colossians 3.12. And it says, so those chosen of God, holy and beloved. Now, those three things, I've been chosen by God because of what Christ did. I'm holy and then I am beloved. Now, when I operate out of that, man, there's a strength in me that cannot come from the world. I was never a great athlete. I've never been incredibly intelligent. Like like people don't say about, you know, Eric Hurd, oh my gosh, the guy's so brilliant. You know, but I'm just a normal guy, but I know my strengths and I operate out of that. But I also am willing to recognize my weaknesses and I have many. Mm. So, So that accurate view really comes from God himself and honest people around you. See, that's the question. Do you have people that are even willing to say, you know, you're being a little argumentative lately? Or, you know, you're really crossing the line when it comes to sarcasm. You know, when you have honest people around you, it will help you to be the accurate and good man that you want to be. Now, that is, in my experience, a rare find. People like that. How do you find people and cultivate relationships that where you can speak honestly with each other. Hey, you know, you went too far, or hey, you did a great job, and they're accurate in what they're telling you. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, certainly I, do, I don't want to be a respecter of persons when it comes to serving people, when it comes to showing dignity or respect. I can do that with anybody, even anybody that may, I might feel annoying to me or, or they suck the wind out of my sails. I can show dignity, I can show respect, but the the men, the people that I want to be around 
are people that that pushed me that that are people of humility who who don't need to prove anything who don't talk over you who are as interested in you as you are of them and so again it's it's who am i surrounding myself with mm. cuz that will either fuel my humility or or it will impede my humility but like i said that's a rare okay i i hear what you're saying but that's a rare find like yeah. for example you are the, like that to me, but you happen to be my father-in-law. So you have to be in a relationship with me. You don't have a choice. <laughs> you know, I, I really don't. It's It's been a burden to bear. But not you can't be everyone's in everyone's circle. And I'm sure a lot of people would like to have you in their inner circle, right? Well, that's that's and, nice of you to say. I, I think there's people that wouldn't want okay, to be. It, someone other than you. Like, let's yeah. just say, you know, someone that's really cool and popular might have a lot of friends. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, he can't be best friends with everyone that wants to be his best friend. Yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm trying to stay on track here, but to find people like that yeah. is a rare find. And I, it seems like I've been blessed with some really great friends, and I guess I just kind of stumbled into them. But I've heard of in conversations and with other people that people that are seeking that. Yeah. And it's I mean I guess join a small group. There's different ways to go about it. Is I. Where would you point people that are looking for that? Well, first of all, I think there's the downside of your choices. You know, like even the Bible in, in Corinthians says, bad company corrupts good morals. Now, please understand there's a difference between judgment and discernment. So even discerning that somebody might be bad for me, like I, I, was, a, uh, I was a drug addict. And when I became a Christian and gave up drugs... I had to completely change all my friends. Mm. Why? Because the people using drugs were only going to take me where I didn't want to go. And it wasn't about judgment of them, because how could I judge them? I was a drug addict just like they were. Yeah. But I realized I needed people that would move me in the direction God had called me to. So I began to choose different friends. So that takes discernment. And when you find them, they're like gold. Yeah. Like um, you, you've heard me say, and, and it was, again, on, on another uh, podcast, I, I mentioned Christian uh, Mungai, a friend of mine, uh, one of our pastors, who said, you find your wealth in relationship. It's not money. It's not possessions. It's in relationship. So when you find a man who you admire, who has this quintessential quality of, of humility, oh my, you're a blessed man. I've got so many good friends like that. You know, I, I think of John, I think of Scott, you know, I think of Gary, I think of the different men in my life who speak into me, but the thing I admire about them, they're not out to prove anything. They're, they're not measured by what they have. It, it is the content, uh, content of their character, as Martin Luther King said. That's what impresses me. Mm, interesting. I... I feel so blessed hearing you say that because I can say I have some people like that in my life. And um, what is interesting to me is I'm, I can't help but kind of reflect on how I found them. And I think what happened for me is I did my best to do what you're talking about mm -hmm. and ended up with good friends as a result. Yeah, It's an interesting thing because you said, well, how do you find them? Open your eyes, open your ears. There, there will be a sense like, you know, even as, as you go through a day, you say, you know, like, God, show me somebody that, that really could help me in this or that I could connect with. You know, it, it's like a, a young man looking for a wife. Well, what are, the, what are the virtues you want in that woman? 
And then God, show me a woman that fits that. Like I'll never forget when I met Debbie, my wife, is that uh, when we had our first conversation and I listened to her, she clicked off the three biggest things that I wanted in a wife. One was she absolutely loved Jesus. She was serving him far before I ever did. She came from this beautiful Christian uh, legacy, which I didn't. She had this desire to serve, and I knew I was going to be a pastor, so I wanted someone I could serve with. And then I looked at her virtues and her fun factor, and, and, and it just check, check, check. She is a woman who is a humble woman. She's never had to prove anything. She's never had to be anybody other than herself. In fact, the most humble people, and, and one of the, uh, the clients at our treatment center said this, uh, one of the, the, the qualities is authenticity. Humble people are authentic. Why? They don't have to prove anything. It's very easy. So finding those people with humility, you pray about it. When you find it, you discern it, you go, I'm in. Mm. Very cool. That Yeah, so actually saying a prayer, asking God for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember doing that for to meet your daughter. I prayed specifically for a woman like her, and sure enough, boom, yep. luckiest man on the planet. <laughs> And, and you, you really, and, and, and this is not flattery, because flattery is when you're trying to get something by making a compliment. I'm just saying this of you. You are the man I'm talking about. I love hanging with you, you know, and, and I am old enough to be your father, and I am your father-in-law, but um, your humility is what drew me in. And I remember when you asked permission to date um, my daughter, Crystal, and I looked at you and I said, date her, you could marry her. <laughs> yes, you, you did. And you said, I'm not ready for that. I said, well, I am. <laughs> you know, it, it is because I, I just in that, that hour and a half we spent at Starbucks, I got to know you and I said, this guy has the heart of a lion. This guy is doing some things, but it was more your character. It was your, your humility. Because you told me about some things that were broken in you, things that didn't work prior to coming into Christ, and then the pursuit of him. And I said, this is a humble guy. This is a guy that's going to continue to learn. Yep, that's so cool. Because what's cool about that is you also brought that. And so we were able to connect because yeah. we both were postured yeah. with humility, authenticity, and We've had our own friendship as a result of it, even though yeah. I was forced to be in a relationship. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we were forced. We you both had to were. embrace me as a father-in-law. I had to. Yeah. No, it's, um, we were able to connect because of that, I think, though. That's it. Yeah, it, it really is a connector. It's like a magnet. Yeah. And, and because if you've ever been around somebody, and, and again, not in judgment, discernment, who's arrogant, who does all the talking, like as the old adage goes, if, if I'm talking, I'm not learning. See, humble people are, are learners. They, they want to know, you know, uh, more about the other person than themselves. Like I sat at a breakfast today, and I don't know that this has always happened. And uh, because I'm used to, as a pastor, ministering to others. And I had this, th- th- there's this agenda I had in meeting with this guy. But he just kept asking me about me. Well, what about, the, and when did you, and I mean, when I got done, I went, that guy was genuinely interested in me. And it kind of reminds me of Philippians 2 when it says, think of, of others' interests before your own. That's a humble person. He was more interested in getting to know me, and, and I kind of failed in my attempt to get to know him better. <laughs> but I, that, that's the kind of guy I love hanging with. Yeah, absolutely. It's attractive. Like you said, it, it, 
It's a connector. Yeah. And and when you think about it, think of all these things in life which really, again, are fueled by humility. Like just take the area of personal growth. Like if I want to grow as a person, I got to will, be willing to acknowledge in humility, hey, this is an area I struggle with. Like let's say I'm not uh, really an, uh, an avid reader and I feel like um, I want to be an interesting person. I I want to... I wanna, be able to quote people and, and engage in, 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 in conversations about things. And so I go, you know what? I haven't been reading many books. So I start reading and I become more interesting. But here's the thing is, it starts with acknowledging I'm not doing something. That's humility. And, and so all areas of personal growth, like, you know, when, when somebody says, I really want to grow spiritually, that. That's a humble statement. In other words, I'm not where I want to be at in my walk with God. And as a pastor, you know, you give a person counsel in in things that they could read, you know, uh, not not just in scripture, but, you know, books. And then you'll see that person go after it. That person grows because they're humble. So there's so many things in in, in life. You know, like um, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, Blessed are the meek, for they, they will inherit the earth. Meekness is humility. And, and, and again, those are the people that are most attractive, that are constantly growing, who see them, them, themselves with their strengths and their weaknesses. So meek is an interesting word. We don't, I, I don't use that word often. Mm-hmm. I recently, I looked it up. I don't remember what the definition was exactly, but I was surprised by what the definition was. And I don't know that I still understand meek. What does it mean to be meek? Meek is, again, I don't have to talk over people. Like, um, you know, today uh, there's not a lot of tolerance in, in people's dialogue. There's not a lot of civility. Why? There's no meekness. Like, we, it, it seems like uh, in, in discourse today, it, it's like, I'm going to yell over you. I'm going to speak over you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use personal attack. You know, if, if you really want to have a kind of challenging or difficult conversations. Here's the thing. In meekness, I care way more about understanding your viewpoint. I don't care if it's the subject of abortion. I don't care if it's, it's you know, uh, immigration. You know, you could talk about anything if there's meekness. I don't have anything to prove. I just want to dialogue. And it's out of that dialogue that you have influence. I'm not trying to change somebody. Like when somebody yells or does a personal attack, the conversation is over. It just is. I used to be that guy in my 20s is, is I want to put people in their place. I, I this need to be right. But meekness is that ability of just being comfortable and, and again, caring more about what the other person's convictions are, what their viewpoints are. And those are people you like to be around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was reading, my wife does BSF, Bible Study Fellowship. Absolutely. And they had a little, in her homework, they had a little piece about being meek. And they they described it as a strength and how it's often confused as a weakness or misunderstood as a weakness. But it's truly, if you're authentically acting in a meek manner, it takes tremendous amount of strength. Mm. And uh, I mean, it, on what you're saying to listen it takes strength to focus and listen or to be humble so it's a choice we make that requires 
a strength. Am I accurate oh, in that? Oh, come on. And the greatest example of humility or meekness is Jesus himself. Oh, my goodness. I mean, think about right before he's about to be crucified. Like if you knew that you were about to face imminent death, uh, one of the greatest sufferings ever in the world, because it wasn't just the physical pain that Jesus endured. He took on the wrath of God. In other words, he took on the... We can't comprehend that. No, no. And and that's why Jesus in agony in the garden said, Father, if this cup can be taken from me, let it be so, but not my will, but thine be done. But prior to going to the garden, he's in the upper room. And as was customary, when you walked into a house, and especially you're going to share a room, either... The, the owners of the home would wash your feet or a servant would wash your feet. Now think about it. He's with his 12 apostles. Not one of them washed anyone's feet. And think about this. They're with God in the flesh. They're with Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one, and nobody lifted a finger. And as they, as they go to recline and, and, and eat together, what does Jesus do? He stuns them because he got up and he, he, he removed his outer tunic, and he, he knelt, and he washed their feet. <laughs> he is God, and he's washing their feet. In fact, in, in Mark 10, 45, it says, The Son of God did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. If Jesus, if God in the flesh could serve all of mankind, is it too much to ask me? So that's that's pretty, uh, you know, it's it's almost abstract for today. We, I'm, we wear shoes and socks. We don't wash each other's feet. It's just unusual. I mean, we could, I'm sure. But what does that look like today, you know? Well, it's it's the whole idea, you know, what Jesus said, I gave you an example. In other words, it's an example of what you ought to do. So how would it, in today's time, would I wash somebody's feet? It would be in serving them, in thinking of what's best for them. And, uh, you know, like I opened my home. You know, I was talking to a, a, a gal today, and she was talking about her and her husband took in a couple um, uh, as a single parent and her, and her daughter and took them in, into their home. And I said, what prompted you to do that? They said, we have a, a four-bedroom house. This single parent cannot afford an apartment in Orange County. And, and, and they envisioned this mom and daughter being on the street. They said, no, we, we've got four bedrooms. Now, I admit that's not for everybody. Yeah, that's a really... But think about what it took. It took a humility. It took a washing of the feet. Come, live with us. We have a room. We'll feed you until you get back on your feet. And there, there's a time frame. She's working. And, you know, but I just thought that's washing your feet. Mm. You know, there's a, a friend of mine who carries uh, these, um, these help kits for homeless people. It has soap and comb and a brush and toothpaste and toothbrush and uh, a little towel and, and a first aid kit and stuff. And he keeps them in the back of his car in his trunk. And he says, God will prompt him to just pull over and hand one to somebody who's homeless. That's cool. Where do you get those? You make, he makes them. Oh, he makes them. So he, them. he goes to you know, uh, a, a uh, discount store and he gets all the supplies and he makes the kits. And, and think about it. That's intentional washing of feet. I know God's going to give me an opportunity to wash people's feet. 
In fact, one of That's my so cool. one of the things I wake up and, and I've told you this before, Michael, is I wake up almost every day and I simply say, Okay, God, what are we up to? Yeah, I love that. And and what I believe in is divine appointments. There are appointments all day long where I can serve another person. I can humble myself, get outside of my agenda, outside of my wants, my desires, and just help somebody. That's a modern day washing of feet. So I've got a question in regards to that because for myself, I'm growing in this, but I think many probably would agree with me is how did you learn to ask open-ended questions in your prayers? That's sometimes it's an awkward thing to do. It's, I don't know. It, I, it, I, it seems like you've kind of learned how to, that's something you develop. Am I wrong? Yeah. Yeah. The great part about an open-ended question is it's non-threatening. It, it opens up thought. Whether I'm engaging with a person or with God, um, you know, uh, I just like the idea that, that I have this beautiful intimacy with God. You know, so God, what are we up to? Who are you going to have me meet today? What challenge am I going to run into? And it, it's, it's that thing of being with him all day long, having that intimacy, because I need him. I, all of us live with stress, but what defines us is what we do with that stress, whether it's healthy or unhealthy. And, uh, and so, yeah, the open-ended question, God, what are we up to today? That's, you know, uh, like at the end of a day, one of the ways I like to evaluate my end of the day is I say, have I loved God and have I loved other people? And that's a pretty dang good way to evaluate a yeah, day. Yeah, that's a heavy question because there's, I'm sure there's days where the answers are not as good as other days. <laughs> And for and, me, that would be true. Well, and our wives would be more than happy to tell us that. <laughs> <laughs> They're honest. Yes, they are. That's the great thing about having a wife is they see the real you. Yes, they yeah. do. But this this topic of humility, um, you know, I, I, I joke that you know I'm not going to ever write a book on it. <laughs> it kind of take away the quality how I become became humble. But yeah, in you all pride seriousness, pride yourself in your humility. <laughs> it's that old there you go. oxymoron. <laughs> well, and, and in all seriousness, though, you know how do you how do you acquire humility? Well, the Bible says pursue it. So what does that mean? It doesn't come natural. I've, you know, I've got to, I've got to ask the Holy Spirit, help me to be the humble man you want me to be. Help me today to treat people with dignity and respect. Help me today not to have to prove that I'm right. Help me today to be willing to forgive, to be willing to own when I'm wrong. You know, cause, cause we know what humility looks like. The question is, are we going to step into it and do it? Because it, it becomes a habit and, and, and when it becomes a habit, it's a beautiful thing. And you become a more attractive person to others. You also see that quality in others. See, because you did ask a question, and I want to end with this. How do you find those kind of people? Be that kind of people or person, and you'll draw that kind of person because you'll see it in others. That's that attraction we talked about. Absolutely. Very cool. I think that's that's one of my takeaways from this conversation is, is to be that attractive person to and practice humility in order to surround myself with people that have those characteristics, your virtues, so to speak. Yeah. And, and by the way, very loaded question, very dangerous question is to ask somebody, do you see humility in me? And if not, where am I, where am I, uh, uh, struggling? Where, where do I not show it? And I have people speak into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool. And then you, you also said, um, reading the Bible, hmm 
it um, I'm trying to remember where you, you pointed it to reading the Bible was how you uh, developed an understanding of who I was. Oh yeah, the accurate Strength. perspective. That's, That's what it right. Was. That's right. Uh, because God's word cuts through the bone and marrow of a person's life, and it reveals who I am. I can't read the Bible and not grow because I am not all the things the Bible talks about. Awesome. Yeah. So episode, I think this is number four. Number four, absolutely. We're just going to keep going because God's word is so beautiful when it comes to living our lives. Jesus said, you know, I give you life and I give it to you abundantly. You can't live the abundant life apart from God's word. Cool. All right. Well, we look forward to more of that. There we go. Thanks, Michael. You got it.